I wonder how many of you have been saved out of religion. I mean by that, uh, you were a good Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopal, or whatever, and then God caught up with you and converted you to faith in Jesus Christ. How many of you? That's awesome. Awesome. I'd say about 40 of you. That's good. No, that's good. I mean, you were in a double darkness, the darkness of your depravity and the darkness of religion. And how awesome it is when God goes to a church, ecclesiastical building, and there converts someone who's into that particular religion. It's an awesome thing. So you have a testimony. Old Brother Barnard used to say, we're more religious every morning in America, nearer hell every night. So you have a testimony, and there is a need for your testimony. I was in the Baptist church and had no faith, really, in Jesus Christ alone. I was trusting in my will, my works, my baptism, my Baptist lineage. I'm not saying that that's not my personal testimony. In a way, it is. But I'm, I'm projecting that you might say that and how awesome it is for God to have come and got you and, and called you to himself. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. hallelujah. You may have to help me preach this message a little bit. I have a little bit of the, <coughs> the bug going on. Well, <coughs> let me ask you this. How many of you were addicts to drugs, heroin, cocaine, whatever? How many of you? You know we're having 100 people die every day from the heroin epidemic. And you have a testimony, an important testimony. Think about how long it's been since you used that the power greater in you. Sinners saved by the grace of God. Some of you had to go to the crack house to find you. Amen. You're converted now. You know Christ. Your test, probably if I was going to really emphasize a, a person, the need of personal testimony, it's to all of you who were addicts. You have a real testimony. You know, the United States of America does not know how to purge this heroin epidemic. But you have the answer. It takes a mighty God to come to a sinner and regenerate them, convert them in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they become new creatures. Well, you heard the scriptures that uh, Dr. Christopher read today, 1 Timothy 1, Philippians 3, and Galatians 1. The apostle Paul felt his testimony to be so important that he, that he was repetitive. You just find him giving his testimony over and over again. I believe that's what we ought to be doing. You know, you might just bump into a person out there who's a heroin addict, who's lost all hope. But you have hope and you have a good hope. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it. 
Something happened to the Apostle Paul subjectively on the inside. Has something happened to you? On on the inside. You've come to love what you once hated and hate what you once loved. Something subjective happened to you. On the Damascus Road, something happened to Paul that he never got over. And that's the kind of conversion and the kind of testimony that we need today. Something happened to me that I've never got over. Some of you got over it too quick. I am a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He saved me. I was there when it happened. Something happened on the inside of me, subjectively. Now, I know that I know that salvation is objective and subjective. And objective, I mean that God loved us before the foundation of the world. Christ died for us in our stead. And when he had finished the work, he said, it's finished. It's, it's accomplished. But in time, we came into the world. And the hound of heaven got on our trail and sought us out of our Lodi bar and quickened us, regenerated us, did something on the inside of us uh, to faith in Jesus Christ. Is that what happened to you? Well, that's good. (laughs) I have heard preachers over my 50-some years of ministering say that Paul's conversion was uncommon. It was an exception to the rule. It was a a wonder altogether by itself. But I'm telling you, my friend, I'm of a different opinion. I think any man who comes to know Christ is a wonder of wonders and ought to be uh, shocked and amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And it's only in that state of wonder that we really praise. Amen. And give him glory. The old Puritan writer said, oh, what a wonder that Jesus found me. Do you feel that way? Then you ought to clap a little this morning. I feel that way. That's me. Out in the darkness, no light could I see. Oh, I was blind as a bat. He put his great arm under. And wonder of wonders, I love this part. He saved even me. Sometimes it's hard to believe that you're actually saved, isn't it? (laughs) Me, that he loved me. Why would he love me? Wonders of the grace of God, marveling at that. And that's what you ought to tell. And, and you ought to be saying things like this. If he saved me, he can save you. You know, one of the great arguments is, of heaven is going to, when I get with the Apostle Paul, I, I want to tell him he has no right to claim that he was the chief of sinners. That would be me. I'm kidding with you a little bit, but how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a wonder of the grace of God? Then I hope you will begin to tell it out. Boy, what a need there is for this congregation to tell out their testimonies. Don't you know we're living in a hopeless situation here as far as this drug use, heroin epidemic? That we really need people like yourself who've been converted to tell what happened to you. I was out there stooped and lost. 
And when I could not and would not come to him, he came to me. What a wonder. You ought to be excited about it. Amen. (laughs) Well, actually, all conversions, the Apostle Paul's conversions was, I believe, a pattern. In other words, like, you know, I used to see my mother make dresses and she would have a pattern. I know most of you are too young to remember those days, but she'd have a pattern, a paper pattern laid out on the floor. Well, the Apostle Paul, I believe, is kind of an example or a pattern of how God converts sinners. And the first thing I want you to, to note is this. If God has saved you, converted you, brought you to a knowledge of himself, he has others for you to bring to a knowledge of himself. When he saved you, he didn't have you just in mind alone. He had others. Might be your mom, might be your dad, maybe your children. Think about this. If God saved you and you have three kids, oh, you have your own congregation and ministry to witness to them and begin to tell them early of the miracle of God's grace in converting power and in sovereign grace. So the Lord has not saved you, nor will he save anyone else for themselves alone, but with a view to others. Amen. How many relatives do you have that do not know Christ? And why isn't this big building filled to capacity? Why aren't we excited about what God's done for us enough to do our best to get other folks in here to hear the gospel or to tell them yourself the gospel, to witness to Christ? You see, every elect is saved to become a chosen vessel to bear the name of Jesus Christ to others. That's why you're saved, to the praise of the glory of his grace. My dad was a a great bird hunter, and he loved bird dogs. And I remember him so many times talking to other hunters, and he'd say, he'd reach for his wallet, and he'd go, I got a picture of my bird dog here. You want to see her? You know, you and I ought to be talking not about our bird dog, but about our Savior to other people. I've got a wonderful Savior who is sovereign and Lord. Here's what the apostle said. The elect bear a mark connection to the race. He said, therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You know, God may have saved you to bring thousands to Christ. Amen. Amen. So we need to get busy about this thing of witnessing to his saving grace. His special eye was on you to bless you, to save you, to bring you to faith in Christ, and then for you to go out and tell everybody what God has done for you and what he will do for them in his son, Jesus Christ. So Paul's conversion (coughs) 
had an immediate relation to the conversion of many others. Think about all the Pharisees that, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul saw of Tarsus. He was like, if you're a major Baptist, he would have been a major Pharisee. You know what I mean? I mean, if you were settled into the denominational thing and you made your boast, well, Saul of Tarsus even the more. You ever thought about what a wonder it was when he got converted? You know, there are wonders sitting in here this morning. Absolute wonders. I love to hear your story of how God brought you to faith in Christ. You were a long way off. And God said, fetch her out of Lodibar to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit went to sniffing around. And you were the biggest sinner he could find at that time. I went hunting this week. Pheasant hunting. We got 50 birds. That's a lot of birds. About 50 pheasants. Well, they were set. You know, they were set out there. But anyway, someone took me hunting. And... Uh, we had an excellent dog. And when we would shoot those pheasants, that trainer would say to that dog, fetch. And that dog would go. <laughs> until it found that bird and brought it back. The Holy Spirit one day in conversion encounter with you, sought you out of Lodibar. And brought you back to Jesus Christ and to faith in Christ. How awesome is that? I don't know, maybe you're just a, a, you know, you're a common working man. Let others of those that you work with, you ever talk about the Lord on the job or in conversation with your fellow workers about how God brought you? You know, Many times people say this to me, well, you know, I'm not a preacher. Oh, if you've been saved by the grace of God, you are. You've been called to tell. And the best preaching in the world for you is to tell what God's done for you. Tell it to mom. Tell it to dad. Tell it to your children. I know, uh, I don't know why we're this way, but we are to a great degree. Well, I don't want to tell, I don't want to tell my kids about you know, I don't want my kids to know. Well, your kids came out of you, so that means they're, they're not little angels. They're depraved sinners who need the same Savior you do. And plus, when you tell them, God brought me up from a long way off. And, and, and mommy was, and daddy was a drug addict. Or we were in church, and we were so churchy and self-righteous. But God turned us inside out one day and let us look at ourselves. And we found out we were sinners. And that churchanity was not the answer, but Christ alone was the answer. When you come become familiar with somebody, share the gospel. And by the way, you know, <clears throat> while I was hunting, I'm telling you this story. Uh, while I was hunting... Two or three pheasants would come up at the same time. I wouldn't just shoot amongst them. I'd pick one out. Do you have any targets? Are you just shooting amongst them? You know, if your baby 
is 10 years old, 8 years old, 16 years old, and doesn't know Jesus Christ, boy, what a target. Amen. Amen. What a target. What about some of you, your mom and dad don't know the Lord. And look what God has done for you, brought you out of that darkness. You got a story to tell mom and dad. I got one amen out of that. Wouldn't it be something if your mom and dad came to know Christ through your ministry? Wouldn't that be something? You know God's able to do that. He didn't save you to sit or be a sponge in church and just get information. He didn't save you simply to be a theologian either. He saved you to be a missionary. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Say, well, pastor, you know, we believe in election here. Yeah, but the, uh, the elect don't have an X on their forehead. So what I do is just preach to everybody in the Spirit of God. And I try to make it sweet, too. So many of you in here have heard this old story about me feeding the chickens when I was a little boy. I would go down to my grandmother's house, <coughs> and she had a whole lot of chickens. And every afternoon, she would shuck the corn and then shell it in a bucket, and we would go out. I'd go with her as a little boy and feed the chickens. And she'd begin to call them like this. Here, chick, 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 chick. Here, chick, chick. And those old hens would begin to go. They'd get real comfortable. And the next thing you know, they were eating right at her feet. Well, I was just a young kid. She said, you want to try it, Kenny boy? I said, yeah. I reached in there. I threw that corn at those chickens. They went everywhere. And what I'm doing this morning is, to some of you who are here without Christ, is, here, chick, 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 chick. I'm dropping the corn of the gospel at my feet and hoping that the Spirit of God will make it effectual in your heart and life and that you'll come to know Jesus Christ. Some of you have been saved in your 11th hour. Late in life. You know, there's a lot of old people out there that don't know Christ. I mean, God sa if God saved you in the 11th hour... There, there's, some, there's some old folks out there for you to tell out the gospel of how God saved you in the 11th hour of life. Isn't that something? That God would wait till you was 75 to convert you. But he did it on purpose, for a purpose. And every one of you in here that have come to know Christ, over three or 400 of you, have been brought to Jesus Christ. Boy, we ought to double the number that's here hearing the gospel and that are coming to know Christ. The Lord promised this. Take the gospel. It's not yours to save anybody. That's God's work. But you can tell it out sweetly. The gospel message that Christ came to die for sinners. I know sitting way back there in the back, some of you, you know, I always say, if you want to get warm, get closest to the stove. That's what my tutty used to say. We had wood stoves back then. And if you want to get warm, get closest to the stove. I, I know some of you sitting way back there, you're sitting back there on purpose. Because 
You, you, you just uh, have never come to know Christ and you're hiding out back there. May the Spirit of God find you and bring you to Jesus Christ. You know, another thing is the Apostle Paul was not ashamed to tell the gospel. He said, I was a blasphemer. So I say, well, you know, I can't, I can't be that bold because I was, I was a streetwalker. I was on the streets, male and female. Yes. Yes. That's where you were. But you think you were the only streetwalker? There might be a few more here in Pontiac. I think I spotted a few more down on Saginaw Street. Why are you laughing? It's true, is it not? And if you were out there and Christ has brought you to faith in Jesus Christ, what an awesome story to tell. I hope that this morning you'll just begin to calculate the possibilities. God, save me. Just about everybody in here has been in jail at one time or another. Not to make any of our visitors uncomfortable. But, <laughs> but this is a church of sinners that have been saved by the grace of God. And we're excited about it. Paul, who had been the foremost in sin, became the foremost in service. He said, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was a murderer. I was a Christ hater. I held the coats while they stoned Stephen to death. I was injurious, killing Christian people, hunting them down. Think of it this way. If the bridge of grace will carry the elephant, it'll certainly carry the mouse. Mr. Spurgeon said, and I think that is a good saying. If you're the chief of sinners, you know some folks out there without Christ, I hope you'll get the message to them, the good news, the glad tidings. And by the way, it's the best news a sinner ever heard. When a man or woman can hear the good news. I mean, you've been going for maybe six, seven, eight years with no hope. You're just hopeless. Ah, the good news is that he's able to save to the uttermost those that come unto him. If you have gone far in sin, when God saves you, think how far you can go in blessing and being useful. So, uh, oh, pastor, I don't think God's going to use me. I, I'm telling you, I was, uh, you know, I was the worst of the worst. Oh, you are God's servant, and he's about to use you. I hope you come to know that. So, think about this, too. You ever thought about this, how, how long-suffering God was with you? I'm trying to get you to think about... You remember when you were first converted, how excited you were about it? How, how, literally, how exciting. I'm trying to shake you a little bit. Or you'll be thinking about that. Christ came and swept away all your sin. You thought it impossible. You are without blemish. You're without spot. You have a perfect righteousness. You stand before God without sin. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Satan is an accuser. He remembers what you did with him. 
He accuses you. Still in your mind, even the little believer often is accused by Satan. Look at, look at him. Look at her. You remember her, don't you? We were together and you know, you know what we were doing. And you began to kind of fade a little bit. Get excited about this. They're gone. All my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea. That's good enough for me. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm his and he is mine. Wonder of wonders. That one could have been as cursed as I. And then Jesus became a curse for me. Became sin for me. He who knew no sin. Think about this too. Say, well, Pastor, I know, I know all the things you've already said. I already know that. Think about this one. This is one you know. There was nothing in Paul to contribute to his salvation. And there was nothing in you either. That's what makes it even a greater miracle. I remember years ago I was speaking on WMUZ. And uh, I was talking about the inherent depravity. And that there are no little angels born. Only innate sinners. And some lady called me up after I went off the air and said, I'll have you know my baby is a little angel. I said, well, that can't be. She came out of you. <laughs> that's in my younger days when I was a smart aleck. But that's a true story. You didn't give birth to a little angel. When you talk about giving birth to a little angel, you're acting like, you were. No, sinners only make sinners. But Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and to change people immediately. How about this? Is your transformation apparent? You know, somebody ought to see that somebody made a difference in you, that you're not the same person. I don't mean you go to heaven by your works, but you're actually sweet and polite and nice and smiling and you have a joy in your heart. You're not the same person. It's apparent. Can the Ethiopian be turned white and no one hear of it? Your language, your actions, your whole conduct, because Christ has made you a new creature. This is what conversion is. Oh, the long-suffering of our Lord. <coughs> Have you dived into all kinds of sins so shameful that you dare not even think of them? Think of this. The precious blood of Jesus Christ, which removes every stain. Do you sometimes feel you've been damned already? As probably a few people here feel like there's no hope for them. You're sitting right here and you're listening to me. No hope for me, Pastor. You have, you have no idea what I've done. Well, you're wrong there. Think about what we've all done in thought, word, or deed. Have you been a thief? Streetwalker? You know God can make something wonderful out of you? I always asked the Lord when I was a young preacher, put me in a big fishing hole with big sinners. And oh, he's done it, and I'm so grateful. 
and I along with you. You know where the jewels of Emmanuel's crown come from? They come from the dunghill. That's where the Lord finds us. On the dunghill. I don't need to make that any plainer, right? God saves you a worthless piece of dung. You had no merit. I mean, I could make that plainer if you need it made plainer, but I won't from the pulpit. A worthless piece of dung. A tumble bug. You were playing in the manure pile when God found you. Searching for peace and happiness. You were a, a real tumble bug. And God picked two tumble bugs up. Think about this. This will blow you away. He looked at both of them. He put one back down. He said, I'm going to save this one. He said, what did you say, Pastor? I said, he put one tumble bug down and said, I'm going to save this one. Why would he do that? Because he wanted to. And he's sovereign. He didn't have to save you. He didn't have to save me. But he did, and I'm happy about it. And I'm rejoicing in it. You know, we sang today, it was God's grace, right? Over and over we sang it. I wonder if you were thinking about the tumblebugs and how God saved you. Some of you have brothers and sisters who have no interest in the gospel. And here you sit in an inner city church, saved by the grace of God, rejoicing in the gospel. You ought to be caught up in the wonder of that. We must be. And as my dad showed off old Tilly, his bird dog, my great desire is to show you off Jesus Christ and point to him and say there is salvation in him. And how do you come to him? By faith. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Did you know that? <coughs> Just impossible to please God. Think about this. Here's the world's greatest question and God's only answer. What must I do to be saved? Here's God's only answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I wonder today if you're here and you came in here lost and without Christ. And today you've sat under the preaching of the gospel. The Spirit of God has done something on your inside. You're so conscious of your sinnership. Now, those of you who aren't sinners, I really have no message for you. But if I can find a real genuine sinner, I've got some good news for you. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Well, what must I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you just lay the shotgun down today? Your self-righteousness, see it as a filthy rag? Can you today just, you know, hoist the white flag and surrender? I am what you say I am. I am a sinner without hope within myself. But I'm trusting in you, your son, Jesus Christ, and that alone to take me from here to your heaven. 
I wonder if you could do that today. If you are enabled by the Spirit of God, you'll do that. Not only will you do that, but you will want to confess him. I'm in the Lord's army. Some of you hiding out there. I'm a silent Christian. No such thing. Just no such thing. You're going to have to upchuck it sooner or later. You're going to have to say, I was lost and he saved me. I was lost and he found me. I was unregenerate and he regenerated me. <coughs> Will you today confess him? And then those of you who are here, let's begin to turn this city upside down with the good news. Let's invite people to come and see. We shouldn't have this many empty seats. I was reading this week through some of my old notes. I have boxes and boxes and boxes, 54 years of boxes of, of notes. And it was just before we were going to move down here. And I said, I wonder what God's going to do now that we have an auditorium that'll seat 600 people. Well, how about filling it? You know, there's enough people here around this church. We could have two or three services. Amen. Amen. Wouldn't it be an awesome thing to fill this place three times on Sunday morning? I mean, you'd have to get somebody else to preach <laughs> a couple of those services. But... That would be all right. I'd be for that. What an awesome thing to see men and women coming to know Christ. America's in trouble. We need to be telling out the gospel.